Listen, Miles O'Brien has become unstuck in time. Oh yeah. Miles has gone to sleep a widower and awakened on his wedding day. Oh yeah. He has seen his birth and death many times and visits in between. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition, so it goes. Hello, and uh, welcome to the rules of acquisition, which is a podcast <laughs> where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest Star Trek show that, yep, it's the, Until <laughs> it's the greatest Star Trek. Until fall of 2017. Until <laughs> fall of 2017, and then this will be what made... I, I got nothing. <laughs> It'll probably still be this, the best yeah. <laughs> Right, it still may be. Well, hey, man, who knows? We're all rooting for it. Yep, and right now we're rooting for Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and yep, we're talking about an episode called Visionary. Yes. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. This is episode 17 of season three. This episode is called Visionary. It originally aired on February 27th, 1995. Uh, the IMDB description is as follows. While a Romulan delegation tries to get information about the Dominion, O'Brien gets visions of unpleasant things that are about to happen in the future. Unpleasant things is putting it lightly, <laughs> and visions is not really what happens. He actually travels in time. So that's a, another disappointing IMDb description. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, IMDb, what did, get your shit together. Yes. <laughs> what What did you guys think about this get episode? Get your shit together. Where, where, where are you guys on this episode? Uh, I liked it fine i'll i'll let that sustain i don't know i didn't <laughs> i didn't nothing this is a clever episode i like it when they try to come up with clever plots i mean a lot's going on i like it when things are going on it's focused on one character i like it when i mean it's got all it checks my box it just doesn't you know I, it's doing all the things it's supposed to but it's just not happening for me tonight you know yeah mm, yeah well you know maybe so, i was stressed about life i don't know some nights yeah you know you, you just gotta <laughs> handle it sometimes maybe you're not in the mood but you just you know you do it that's true for the rest of us because because you made a commitment to a podcast james that i'm glad that it enjoyed being a show and that was enough for me. Yeah, yeah. You made a commitment to a podcast, James, and sometimes you just go through it and try uh -huh. not to ruin it for the other person. But yeah, yeah, no, no. It, this is this was fine. Yeah, it, no. it didn't go anywhere that was uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Good. All right. Put it that way. I actually, the more I think, I like. Some ways, this is like for our white album and stuff. I feel like this is almost could come really pretty quickly after the season opener because it deals with a lot of the stuff that happened in the search. Part one and part two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like that. It, it's sort of it's still mining that territory. So we're still you're going back over the Dominion. You're going back over the opening events. So the more that they do that, the more it makes these events seem like they're matter and they're they're building towards a, a bigger sort of thing. And so I like that. Yeah. Not everybody's just moving and not referring to things that have happened in the past. So right. Right. It's right. always an irritating thing. So, yeah, this episode did make me. I'm starting to have different feelings of towards Technobabble than I used to. Yeah, there's a... And I'm wondering if you could do a Star Trek show without Technobabble. Uh... <sighs> because maybe that would be my ideal Star Trek. Would it still be so the Technobabble got in the way for you? It's becoming a problem with me. I don't know. I don't <laughs> understand why. It never bothered me before. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because I think I could see from like a, like a writer's perspective where you could just actually type in the word Technobabble in the script and then come up with it later. <laughs> uh -huh. And it feels like a lot of the time that's what's happened. So, and yeah. I mean, it Mostly and this particular crew doesn't believe the techno babble as much as maybe the next generation. Like the next generation actors were all in on the techno babble. This crew always seems it's not in their wheelhouse. 
I guess. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. It's, I mean, O'Brien seems like he knows, you know, he's had years to deal with it. <laughs> he's a yeoman in, in techno babble. Yes, yeah. But they're not even aided by later additions to the show because the people that they choose to add weren't great at it in TNG. <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. that core, uh, like that core group of Riker and, and Data and, and Jordy, those three it just really flowed from Nobody them. Nobody could sell techno babble like Jordy LaForge, yeah, like Jordy, LeVar uh, Burton. He, his enthusiasm enthusiasm yes. for the nonsense that he's saying and <laughs> just the sheer confidence of data in what he's saying mm-hmm. the combination of the two really carries a lot of the, that nonsense makes it go over because when you think of Jordy LaForge probably more than any other trait is his enthusiasm for his work yeah and that sells it I mean that sells it on any movies like I don't know how to fly spaceships but Han Solo made me you know like Technobabble is not just a science fiction thing. For me, who doesn't know how to drive naval ships or submarines, Hunt for Red October is full of what is the equivalent of Technobabble to me. But they, there's a way <laughs> to... <laughs> it's, hey, back in the day, it was, you know, Huck Finn was full of Technobabble with Mark Twain and, yes. and Riverboat shit. <laughs> yeah, so everything is Technobabble to someone. Yeah. The Technobabble didn't bother me so much. I mean, you're right. There's nobody that gets excited about it, like Jordy or Data to an... Not really, because he doesn't have the emotion to, but he sells it like a robot. But Miles can Miles can talk it out. He can talk the techno babble, but it's not like he's going to get enthused about it, unless it's about like a, a puppy or something in the computer. Yeah, he's almost more put out by it than anything. And it's also, it's a problem in plot. With this show, it's essentially like a mystery show, where O'Brien, through a complicated sense of sci-fi, interesting cleverness, he has to basically solve a mystery. Right. They all do, ultimately. It's easier when you... Spoilers for Chinatown, but when you're finding out, when you get to the core of Chinatown, you were like, oh, so he was fucking his own daughter, and that's his daughter with his daughter? That is, like, that I get. I get fucking, and I get incest, because I'm, you know, like, it's human. These are human sort of emotions, and that's why I think detective novels are like, so he killed this person for the insurance money. You get that kind of shit, but, like, Oh, well, the Tetrion particles are coming from a subspace routine from the... And it's just um, a singularity. Satisfying. See, I, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was perfectly satisfying for me because you know what? This is Star Trek and I know what I'm in for. <laughs> But yeah, no, I know. But I'm just it's the you don't get that sort of visceral impact that a reveal that a, that a good detective reveal gives you. It's more cerebral. Well, yeah. Star Trek's. Is, well, I will give you at the beginning, the cold open is just like, oh, I'm sorry, Miles. You had a bunch of radiation. It's like, well, yeah, that's <laughs> rather <laughs> generic. It's not like specific techno babble and like radiation. Mm-hmm. OK, like you don't even know what shot he just wake. I mean, it's kind of interesting that it starts completely after the fact like you never see him even get blown up or yeah. fall out or anything it's just like oh yeah i'm sorry i don't even know where i thought i don't even know where i thought my netflix fucked up and I thought, I, I, yeah I, I don't even know where the radiation came from only that he got zapped with radiation and was fucked up about it mm-hmm. i didn't see a console explode or anything i don't know where it came from they were on ops that's all i know so that was a little weird he, he wakes up yeah. in the ground right he just like yeah. that's yeah that's yeah, what yeah. it was yeah yeah and they're like i'm sorry you have radiation poisoning it's like okay f- from what uh, i don't know just playing with a con i don't know yeah whatever they they said techno babble I, I dozed off right well yeah and it's ionizing radiation but i don't know what that means whatever that means so the initial techno babble was pretty kind of weird but as it went on it didn't bother me what is and i'm just gonna ask this question because I, I understand it i have a healthy layman's understanding of science concepts what is subspace um it's kind of, it would be like a, um, where... It's the space running under space. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like... Like... It's what you would build, what's you, you wouldn't interact with it directly, but bending a warp field around something would distort the subspace around it. I'm used to mostly dealing with subspace as it refers to communications. And so I'm willing to believe that, like, I know that space can be folded and bended. Like, I get that. And I understand enough to understand that. So maybe they have like you know their cell phones bend space so it's not uh, having to like uh, shoot. Should, do we have to but, announce this as a nerd corner? Because this is pretty. Uh, I, I'm not angry. This is confused nerd corner. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, fragile. Like uh, I'm, I'm being I'm being open and and vulnerable. Vulnerable here. nerd corner. <laughs> vulnerable nerd corner. But like they at this point say that subspace was shooting off something that was probably causing I don't know. They used it for some other purpose other than communication. 
communications. And so once they used it for a secondary purpose, I was like, do I have to understand? Well, this isn't the first. This is now. This isn't the first time that there's been problems with subspace. Like sure. the playing God episode, there was subspace seaweed. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, in the D&D terms, it would be like something in the ethereal plane, maybe. Well, that would be, that's like a different, well, it's a different dimension. Kind of, yeah. Because at the same, at a certain point, this is just magic because it's indistinguishable from, you know, there's scientific ideas and things being played with, but the writers don't really give a shit about whether subspace would actually interact like this. It's just, you know, it's just plot armor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, you're right. And so that's what I think that wears on Hugh is that they just... That they're leaning on it so hard. Yeah. I mean, is is that your issue with it? Is that it is... Well, I think that if you're going to lean on it, it's just, it's used to advance the plot and it's like MacGuffins in Mystery Show, you know, and it's just like a it's like a MacGuffin, yeah. But pass off as something mm. smart, and that's what's irritating, I guess, about it. Yes. Is like you're not getting it's just a plot device that you're not. Yeah, but I mean, I don't. It's a it's a thing that it's wearing on me. Yeah, like I understood the techno babble enough that where I mean, it's a pretty cool plot concept to where he's traveling five hours in the future and has to keep preventing his own death. Kind that of part is clever and good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of gets reused later and lost. You know, if I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay, let's get into this real quick about the actual plot. Okay, so O'Brien can travel five, like you mentioned, five hours in the future. We also have Klingons who are stranded getting their transmission fixed on their ship for two days. Oh, yeah. And we have Romulans show up, and the Romulans finally are wanting to collect what's owed to them. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they, in a sign of good faith, hand over cloaking device technology to be used in this clunker of a warship in exchange for information about the Dominion. And they're finally showing up to collect. And that, that to me, is an interesting thing to happen to the station. Actually, probably one of the more interesting <laughs> things to happen to the station since the introduction of the Dominion plot. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I thought it was very, yeah, this is very integral about the Romulans coming to collect. And it's funny when they come up and, like, everybody, Cisco and, well, Kira especially, is like, why are they being such dicks about this? It's like... No, you got to agree to your terms. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, they're being, uh, like, I was on their side for most of this yes, show. Yes, so was I. And, and I'm like, this is pretty weak yeah, intel. Yeah. We we gave you a cloaking device. You couldn't sneak around and get more shit. Well, and yeah, like that, you, but... you, made, you made a deal to give them all your information, and you can't fall back on it. And Kira's being like, why are they being such... Well, and because it looked like, because they arrived at it, like, and this is what I appreciate about the show, is that they arrived at the same conclusion that anyone would, that Odo acted fucking inappropriately in the first episode of the season. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. And they're like, Odo's our guy. Why, why, why are you being a dick to that guy? Because he was being a shady adolescent asshole. <laughs> he stole a thing and left the ship to get stranded out there in the middle of nowhere and everybody is just fine with it. Yeah, and like, I, that's one of the strengths of this episode is that yeah, yeah. something that somebody did earlier in the season finally has repercussions later and advances the story. Yes. I think <laughs> the morally, like... Yeah, the, hmm. the question I really wanted the Romulans to ask once they got on would be, be like, um, excuse me, Cisco, what the fuck happened to Sub Commander to rule? <laughs> Remember that lady? <laughs> we sent yeah. some money with this cloaking device who was supposed to report back to us with all this information, and we haven't heard hide nor hair of her. Did you forget about her? And they're like, the writers, oh shit, we did. She's on Voyager. The, she's on Voyager. <laughs> <this season. laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no, in fact, I. I think it was a waste. I like this episode, the O'Brien, sort of time-traveling O'Brien focus of this episode. I wish that they didn't beat story the Romulans' plan to solve the Dominion problem. Okay. And that was... Listen, I've arrived at the conclusion that the B story was only used to advance the plot of the Odo-Kira love. And I think that's probably Mm. what you see as a wasted opportunity, where you could have actually had some interesting political stuff go down, but they just use it to nudge these two characters together. I think they they definitely yeah. did that. And, and they have a last-minute MacGuffin for the main plot, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree that they did. I, I would maybe disagree that that's the only reason it was there. Part of it was just, well, hey, let, let's do some Romulan shit because they have forgot about it. But you're right, the fact that they forgot all about Subcommander to rule is kind of weird. <laughs> and well, Yeah, it. so it is very... Can we talk... Maybe we should talk more about that kind of subplot where this is kind of the B-plot while that's going on with or a B plot that's going on with O'Brien's having his time travel Charlie from Lost
lost Desmond shenanigans unstuck mm-hmm. from time. It's because they question Kira goes back to full like outrage. How dare they? Real quick. Yeah. Because then she's like, "What? Well, we shouldn't have to do this." And Cisco, being the pragmatist, is like, "No, we we made a deal with these guys. We have to maintain our bargain to the best of our ability. We're not going to give them all our confidential personal logs because that would be an invasion of privacy. But we need to give them everything they need, and they get to have debriefings with everybody that." got taken by the Jim Hadar in the season opener. And so they take Kira in there and they're like, so tell us about this Odo, this founder guy. She's like, he's not a founder. And, but then they jump straight to, you fucking him? Does he want to fuck you? <laughs> <laughs> Did they think you held some kind of attraction to him? Has Odo ever shown any kind of physical interest in you, Major? That's it. I am not answering any more and questions. And she's like, what, what, what? And she's she's a religious prude to an extent. She's like, how dare you? Like, yeah. oh, my God, you're really pissed off at this. You are fucking him, aren't you? What? No. Oh, my God. When he te- when he hears what you said, he's going to be so mad. But Can I suggest you avoid asking Odo those questions? That's what I love about that, – that's the thing that continually I love about Romulans is that they're not, they're not like – fake written smart there's like a lot of ways to represent smart people but the romulans are always consistently wrote as the equal if not better than the federation and vulcans specifically but yeah that there are always insightful yeah yeah and this idea that they they arrived at this pretty quickly it was par for the course for how they've always been written and and so i like (laughs) that when when they get that right and when they nail writing romulans correctly and they do that in this they do this in this episode it's very pleasing to me right that's ridiculous and i resent the implications like Mm -hmm. um do you often have personal talks with this Odo. <laughs> yeah. Y- y'all fucking. Yeah. And like there's, I mean, constantly there's, there's many Star Trek episodes that fall on people trying to hoodwink Romulans mm-hmm. and spending a lot of time trying to pull the wool over the eyes of Romulans. There's a major episode in this show later on. And spoiler, it always fails. Yeah, yeah. And it's because the Romulan, I mean, and that's always satisfying to have someone that's continuously since, you know, Balance of Terror in 1967 all the way to now written that well and consistently smart. It, it's it's nice. It's, it's one of the joys of Star Trek for me. And so it did have that. I love Romulans. So it had that. Yeah, when they arrive, you yeah. know, sh- you know, shit's gonna get interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not gonna be played for buffoons. They're not gonna be played dumb to, you know, make the plot. Oh no, we have Klingons for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what well Klingons were played for buffoons here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we talked about Romulans. Yeah, why don't we move on the Klingons? They come on, and mm-hmm. there's just a random Klingon being dragged, and he's like, "Dute, Kova, first." Sorry, I heard that because he's drunk and they're they're (laughs) bless you with the Klingon right now. (laughs) Because he yeah, and Quark later on is like, oh man, I gotta my holly sweets are broken by these Klingons, and they're like, well, why do you let them in there? It's like, well, they pay twice so much much, and then they come down. From the bar, Miles sees a bar fight later on where they, they come in there. Octo, Korvac, Patak. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything except the Klingon language written down. I, I don't know what insights to talk well, about. Well, I don't know. It's a pretty empty Klingon. Yeah. I thought it was an empty Klingon ep- episode. And that's for, a, for an episode that was ghostwritten by Ronald D. E. Moore or secretly whatever. You know, I, I would have liked a little bit more, but, you know, you got Romulans. It's a crowded plot. So there wasn't a lot of time for right. anything. Right. They, they, come in so. for something's wrong with their ship but secretly they're actually intelligence agents we learn later on and they but so, even that was a red herring i believe wasn't it no. right but they were intelligence they were there for that because they come in but it wasn't consequential to the mystery it, it wasn't they were red herrings but i did like odo's kind of assessing of it when he's taken in then they're being all clinging on how dare you my family's gonna come and kill you for this dishonor and he's like well i have a again odo has like a friend of a friend of a friend's cousin in starfleet yeah that, they're working hard to give to give Odo a network, right? In the last few episodes, yeah. So he's like, "Well, okay, that's fine, but I could tell your your leaders and the intelligence that you fucked up, and they'll probably kill you when you go back." And then then they sh- that shuts them up real fast. Well, mm-hmm. this is where like the plot does just descend into like ten minutes of techno battle. Right, that's why the, the uh, last and, act, and so it's hard to like, yeah. It, it was impossible to like your eyes kind of glaze over. And at one point, Cisco says, so you're telling me 
blah, 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 blah. Uh, Cisco is like the stand-in for the audience, the sh- like what you need to know to understand what goes on next. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you guys this real That's quick. His point is to be the, so the guy. O'Brien sees himself five hours in the future. There's a couple questions I have that kind of baffle me. Whenever he's got a temporal displacement, he always finds himself five hours in the future. No matter where he is. And that's weird and never explained. That he finds himself? Yeah, he always finds himself five hours in the future, inexplicably. And I don't understand why that... And here's another thing. I don't want to nitpick this episode too much because I really did enjoy it. First, he says when he sees himself, he goes miles and he hollers at himself in the hallway and then the next i wrote that down too. and then the next two times he just says you what are you doing here <laughs> so i think that <laughs> he realized it's weird to say your own name to yourself the first time oh. and then from <laughs> the side, like made a conscious decision to not do that again and only you know say you <laughs> well he killed himself the first time he did it so i see what yeah uh... i actually like the time travel stuff in this because yeah wait can we can we focus on this this sort of nature of person because humor me here for a minute uh yeah i thought they get some point are you a different person like did o'brien die in this episode yeah yeah oh, oh yeah that's we, what i was about to say have, yeah, like, we have a different o'brien we kind of talked about the framework of this situation going on yeah we should jump straight into the a plot but it's not a, a really different o'brien it's him like three hours older yeah <laughs> yeah so it's, it's <laughs> like very, okay so this is what this is what's weird right? and this is not like a, a dumb i mean it's a little bit dumb stoner like it's a little bit of a weed dad comment but it's not like the most okay so there's a straight there's a field of philosophy that sort of uses Derek parfit who's a philosopher who just died this year january um but he had this and it was based on star trek on whether you're a different person on the other end of the teleport oh yeah, the, yeah. and one of the things is that could o'brien kill himself and would it be murder could he rape himself and would it be rape or would it be masturbation or would it be like what is the is o'brien like did O'Brien die or does O'Brien live on? Like, what is O'Brien? Right. Because I want to say that it was consequential to think that we watched O'Brien die. <laughs> I, I, uh, but it's also thoroughly inconsequential. So it's right. I don't know. Well, like Bashir, they even address that. Bashir says, you're only, yeah, the yeah. only difference between you, you're still O'Brien. The only difference between you and the other O'Brien is you know what's going to happen for like the next three hours. And that's when, yes. it, right, right. And that's when he goes and does that little thing with Court and says, Dabo. But like, didn't this happen before to O'Brien? Brian? Well, no, that was a replicate. That was a replicate. <laughs> okay, so this, we've this, had... This kind of shit happens to O'Brien all the time, though. That is the point. Right. I think O'Brien... This episode falls under the Deep Space Nine subgenre of O'Brien Must Suffer, which is uh-huh. yeah, which is one of our favorite <laughs> O'Brien uh, season three. <laughs> yeah, and even this one, it was... Uh, he suffered ontological confusion yes. in this episode. <laughs> oh, I think O'Brien suffered, I think he explains, he consolidates my feelings towards it better than anyone else when he he has the line, both of hims have the line, I hate temporal mechanics. I hate temporal mechanics. Mechanics, yeah. That's true, yeah. Because the first few jumps he has, because like, oh, it's a time travel episode. What kind of time traveler are we dealing with? The first two jumps to the future, it feels like it's the kind where you can't change anything because he sees the thing and what he saw is what affects his, what he saw the future is affected by what he did when he jumped to the past kind of thing Mm. where he sees Quirk and him talking and then they look over and then when he sees himself in the bar and saves himself from a Klingon that's going to stab him, and then he disappears. But then, so he saves his life, but then after that, he has to save his life by changing the future, because after he yells Miles at himself, and a wall panel kills him, that's like when shit gets real, because he checks his pulse, and then he's really dead. And then, (laughs) at that point, he is able to change the future, and save his own life over and over again, a la Charlie, in Lost. In Lost, yeah. But And then it turns into, like, in the second and third act, where he has to keep ahead of the game to keep saving his life, because he has to save himself from the wall panel. And then eventually, everybody's life because 
of the yeah. in, you know the station's life or whatever. There's yeah. an explosion. There's a singularity that's orbiting the station. They learn that's where the temporal Tetrion shit is coming from. They don't know why yet until um, the, that's all techno babble stuff. Which mm-hmm. okay, there's a temporal singularity, and then it's interacting with the ionizing radiation that he got zapped with. But they don't know why he's going into the future. Then he's going to die until he gets Bashir, who keeps seeing him and and is finally, oh, there you are, when he's looking at his own corpse in the morgue, basically. And he has all this cerebrospinal nerve cell damage. And then he's like, oh, you have to tell me when you go back this time to to do a bacillar artery scan in your brain, because that's going to kill you if we don't. Bashir is so chill whenever he shows up, though. From like, (laughs) That almost seemed weird. That That almost seemed like he was playing like a different character. That was was poorly conceived. Or like that 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 was tipping his hand. Yes. He was he was so chill that it was like I would scream. You know, it was yes. like it got my antenna. It got my antenna up. Like it was like is Bashir is this all are they playing with I don't know. Is someone playing with O'Brien? See for me, well I saw it as like he's a doctor. Maybe it's like I have doctors in my family. When that shit, they they extra so. <laughs> if they see someone travel from <laughs> that they watch die appear in front of them, your doctors would be super cool with that. No, no. What like... I'm saying, like if you have to do an autopsy on your best friend, you stop, you shut your emotions down. You're just like, I had to do an autopsy but on my best friend. Also, but you while know what? you're, I'm just gonna be. I have to shut that part of myself down and just be calm. And then also know he's. I know he's been jumping back and forth in time for. The last day so maybe he'll show up but like to be a doctor you at some point you just have to deaden yourself to like the depth of it and you're like okay well this is what this is my job and i'm dealing with this and that's what that is i guess i'm saying that he was acting remarkable like even in like how that was weird yeah. i don't know no, i don't no, no, know no. Like, a little weird. like i don't but know like it was a little weird you Fine. can't talk that away no. i know doctors that's weird no, that was weird like because that he's explaining weird. how to save his life in this almost banal way right he wasn't like saying okay o'brien you're gonna go in a minute and i just need you to know that you need to do this this and this it would still be driven with purpose even if he isn't emotional but it was like he was a he gave a, he gave no fucks like he was like he did, oh by the way you might want to tell like he did towards the end is like he said it's very important that you tell me to do this bacillar but like he could have walked in with like a smoking jacket when he first saw him. oh there you are hello friend it's like yeah yeah that was a little and complicated weird. and i'm sorry but like complicated technical emotional understandings of people in certain fields that doesn't read like, he needed to read surprised. There's no way to write that where he didn't need to be surprised and anxious and relieved to see Miles. Right. And like, I mean, I think they were trying to sell it like he knew he, w- he was expecting him. But you're right. It was you a little... have that line. Yeah, I mean, or or you have a line that says, I didn't know if you you would show up, you know, or something like I was, you know. I was, yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, I was, thank God I was hoping you'd be here. There was yeah, nothing. It was yeah. just weird. It was just weird. It was just I was like, I, yeah, yeah, I thought that was our last darts game or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The dartboard <laughs> happened in this episode. Yeah. Finally. That was the whole thing. It's, it was just a, that part of it was weird. Yeah, I don't. Here's my thing that I think we're maybe in a point here. And I think this is why they maybe shake it up by the end of this season again. But is this cast just too chummy? And by chummy, I don't even mean that they're friends. Like, I don't think I'm getting a lot of like friendship vibes from them. I think I'm just getting a lot of nothing vibes. Uh, Like, I guess that O'Brien and Bashir are friends. But name a distinct personality. Like, what does Dax think about O'Brien? Well, that hasn't read in any episode we've ever seen. I was like, you just picked the example that's hardest to do. <laughs> well, I mean, or, or she likes him. Or, no, I mean, like, I don't you know just. What thinks of Odo or what Odo thinks yeah. of O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. He's absolutely right. And by Odo chummy, thinks I mean, O'Brien is a good engineer. Like, I don't know about that. Like, cast members get strong attachments and fall in love and stuff like that later on. And that's different. What I'm saying is not, are they too friendly by, by chummy? I mean, are they too blandly friendly? It just seems like either give each other conflict. Like, I don't like that guy. That guy's a dick. You know, like, what if Odo just hated O'Brien? For reasons, but it never went away, and it was never rectified. Didn't we have a funeral when we we had a moment in season two where we thought 
a couple guys were dead, right? Where Bashir and O'Brien were dead, and then they had a funeral. Yeah. And it was weird because they were like, this, uh-huh. nobody, everybody's busted up about it, but like, you guys were never seen hanging out together or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was mostly good for Cisco comforting Keiko. Yeah. I thought that was a good scene. Yeah. But, but you don't, what that gives you is an electricity to scenes, like, it's a plus. And so when you have a scene where everybody's got to come onto the bridge and solve the problem of the singularity tetrion tectro particles, it's that plus. Did you see the stink eye that Kira gave to Dak? Yeah, like well, that kind of. And it's it's think- it's. It's plot, but it's plot plus. Plot plus other well, things. Well, most of that, you actually do get that with Miles and Bashir in other scenes, I feel like, when they're talking and, and they're doing darts and everything. I thought that was a good bonding and friendship scene. I, true. That's true. But the problem is that this is a O'Brien episode, so you don't see that in the wings. You know, It's only with your main character who has all this other shit going on, so you don't see it with the supporting character so much, yeah. No, I agree. It's but it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. And you get the Kira Odo scene where she's explaining like, and then they asked me whether we you had a thing for me, and then Odo was like, what? Uh, oh, my, oh my god, I'm angry too. You know, like yeah, from, I don't know. Like, what if Dax just hated Odo? That would be like fun to me. Like, I don't know. Like that would and like nobody knows where it started and like it just and it just goes on throughout and it gives scenes electricity and shit like that. Yeah, well, and maybe you can resolve them later on and it'll feel like you earned some sort of thing it's just it seems still again like the plot is the cast is still just not gel well, in a star trek context you need to do it with the non-federation characters to be all roddenberry about it roddenberry's been dead for five years <laughs> at this point i'm fine I, I know but i'm still i'm still a believer in the dream man no i don't know the dream makes for boring boring shows i i disagree i think it is what one of the, the strong of terror is a good case for the dream working yeah i think i think you could still have the dream and then you could still have interesting problems well you're i think that's the thing that makes well, yeah, balance of terror that's what half the half the cast on balance of terror was racist towards vulcans i think the dream like, is what like a... sets star trek apart from is part of what makes star trek special so i i'm not agreeing that we need to throw it out though tng kind of overdoes it maybe but I think there's something nice about the idealization of we actually figure our shit out. I don't know. Okay, that, okay don't know. I'm not saying guys, that they don't. You guys have. I'm. I. I might have to sit this particular argument out because this. Some episodes of Deep Space Nine have me wondering if I even like science fiction. <laughs> yeah. This one has me wondering if I. I even like techno babble. And some episodes with their Star Trek specific, you know, fan service has me even wondering if I like Star Trek. <laughs> so like whether or not the vision still holds up for this racist old dead guy who you know sexually assaulted his uh crew members you know i don't know <laughs> hey hey he wasn't racist but yeah he was uh, an awful towards women and undefensible on that but i don't think he was racist but he was maybe a sexual predator which is yeah not, <laughs> not good not good he's definitely a, a, a fan of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. uh, yes that i think is it's probably cool and probably he is you know it's like your old uncle you know he's like he's racist by current standards he was probably very progressive by his own time. And, you know, I don't know. Like, I think the race, I don't think that holds up. But <laughs> I tell you what, I listened to some of those old radio plays, those old Westerns. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yep. not exactly flattering towards Asians. You got me. You got me. You got me. As of the filming of this, I haven't seen Get Out. But it seems like Get Out is about Roddenberry type people, right? <laughs> and and the racism that they like. I get that, you know. I don't. I don't know, I don't know this in the way that it makes. <laughs> I don't know if this is germane to the discussion of this episode. <laughs> well, but I, I no, I think that Hugh's making a good point. Is that are we? Let's not make a cult of Roddenberry here. No, like the guy was just a guy and he wasn't even a particularly successful guy other than Star Trek. I'm talking about but, the and, and other than a certain type of Star Trek. I'm not, I'm not trying to deify Roddenberry, but the dream. Yeah, I think it's noble and I think it's an interesting. I think it makes for fucking bland scenes is my point. I think it does. Is that I think that this would be a so much more electric. I think it makes it a lot harder to do good scenes, but I feel like that's that's an interesting restriction to play with. And I will say that it's not always successful, but that's part of what I like about Star Trek is making 
interesting drama within those restrictions. But okay, okay, but it's yeah, I, taking, I can appreciate that. I guess I can appreciate it, but it's one of those things where it's like taking away a tool. Yeah. And I don't under, it's just, I, I guess, increasing the degree of difficulty to telling good stories, but they're not routinely passing the bar. So like they still suffer from the things that would be improved by adding that tool back in. Well, my, as seen in every science fiction show since then. My point with like, in doing it in DS9 would be that's why you have Quark, that's why you have Odo, and even Kira, these non-fed, that's the way to cheat around those restrictions of the Federation being this advanced kind of where we fixed humanity's problems. You still, that's why you use aliens to talk about the other parts of our humanity that reflect us. And that's that's how you cheat in Star Trek. Like, okay, but how much more interesting would it be if every one of these characters had a Firefly-like interaction with each other? Yeah, you can do that, but I don't think the way to do it is by having Dax hate Odo. You can do it by Odo. I'm saying have a Firefly-like relationship with everybody. Where everybody's got these that, There's a lot of relationships on Firefly. I don't know what you mean. That's exactly what I mean. There! that That's what I mean. There's a lot of different relationships on Firefly. There's not a lot of different relationships on this show. Yeah, you could work within those without breaking the restrictions of what this advanced federation, humanity, whatever. Yeah, but I don't know. That's beyond the purview of this episode, but... I think that's what you would do. <laughs> Not of the purview of this but, podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Hey, but this podcast is whatever we... I, I, guess I see exactly. I know exactly what you mean. No, wait. It is Wade is saying that by having these extra characters outside the Federation, you can break some of these earlier Roddenberry sure. restrictions. And James is saying, why not use that opportunity to have them have weird, diverse relationships? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. My whole point is like, you don't have to do that by breaking the rules we set up for Federation. People. Right. Because I don't know, but I guess, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think that like Dax has no relatable features whatsoever. Well, that's at all. <laughs> yeah. And there's... even her, the, her most interesting things are unrelatable to human understanding. So like, there's not any, there's all kinds of problems there. I get that. And we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. And this is not even, this. I, I don't even know if Dax is on this episode, to be honest, but it seems, I'm sure she was. She, at she's, some point. The, she's the only one besides O'Brien that understands this um, radiation shit. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. So she's there to solve problems that he can't science. But stuff. I'm just saying that at no point is it like, oh, this problem would be easier to solve if they didn't have to deal with these interpersonal entanglements. And those interpersonal entanglements are what makes interactions like I don't even think that like on like I say Firefly, most of those relationships aren't adversarial and so poppery. But they are complicated, you know, that right. whatever the Nathan Fillion has a certain relationship with the hooker that he doesn't have with the Gina Torres. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm getting everybody's name. Like it's going to get that. That's not the same relationship that he has with Alan Tudyk. But they're like and all of that is a landmine of interesting that that sounds like it would make a great Star Trek show about thieves. But they're about Federation naval types. So therefore, they have no <laughs> interpersonal know. relationship. I'm saying you can't have them. Be... Or that everybody has to be so bland. Does everybody have to be so bland? No. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just saying you can't mirror Firefly directly onto Deep right. Space Nine. Okay. Well, here's the thing. We are working on that. In, in this part in the series, because mm-hmm. we have the Odo and Kira stuff. They're trying to move the ball down the court a little bit with that. Yeah. We've got some interesting stuff with Dax coming around the bend. We, we you know, we're not there yet. Um, Jake is getting older and they're going to deal with that with Cisco, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They get here. There's Odo and Pork have a love hate relationship that's really interesting at times. Mm-hmm. And they're really trying to make the Bashir O'Brien thing happen. Yeah, they do fix So they are they are moving it down the field a little bit here. Yeah. And they fix it by bringing in a character that helps. Right. That a lot. Right. That that has a interesting and dynamic and almost adversarial relationship with Cisco, has an interesting relationship with Dags. I mean, they bring on a character that stirs the pot Odo quite a too, bit. because there's a question mark of Odo's Ooh, job security. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so all of that, they do stir the pot very effectively. And that's why I like I, the more and more that I'm like, I'm aching for that 
I thought it would be the third season, and they do add a lot of stuff on the third season that I like, but it's the fourth season that really... We ain't like, there, right, I, boys? I'm, I'm making for the fourth season now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, the good stuff's still elusive to me. Yeah. It's still just one season. Next year, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Like well. an old Cubs fan. <laughs> but, All right. But I know it's coming. I like this season pretty well. Basically... Especially compared to the... You guys want to get to the how this thing wraps up? Yes. With the, with the plot? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we probably should get and that. And then, yeah. Yeah, so the singularity that's been orbiting the station and causing O'Brien to jump five hours ahead, and then he jumps ahead and sees the station. Ex- he jumps ahead to where he's in a shuttlecraft. They have a dramatic, you know, model explode of Deep Space Nine, and he's with all these people, and then they see the wormhole collapse, and then he's like, "Whoa, shit!" And then he goes back, and they're like, "What caused this explosion?" Oh, what was it? We finally figured out. It's the Romulans, right? Because then he... Yeah. Oh, before they can figure it out, they can't figure it out. They have basically cured him of all the radiation that's making him jump, but they they can't find out why the station explodes, so they figure out that they can give him just the right amount of radiation to jump him instead of five hours ahead to jump him three hours ahead, and he has a little armband to do it, and he's like, I'll do it because otherwise we might all die. And it's a very O'Brien being O'Brien, just jumping into danger. He's like, hey, Julian, if I don't come back, I have a message for Keiko. I, I like that, you know, it's all very emotional. But then he puts the armband on and goes three and a half hours in the future and wakes himself up. And then it, the time travel thing changes even more because before he would see himself coming or be able to change the past. And then this time he jumps to the future and his sleeping body says, wait a minute, he's dying of radiation because he jumped to the future and his sleeping self is like, wait a minute, if you're me three hours in the past, shouldn't I also be like dying of radiation because this is me in the future? And then, oh, and and I'm just realizing maybe what happened, why he's not feeling that. But then they're like, God damn it, I hate temporal mechanics. And it was a funny joke. And it was the same. Yeah. The, the looper pulls it off like later. Yeah. Yeah. The it's the same joke. kind of thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then yeah. Doctor Who kind of does and timey wimey. Blah, blah, blah. It's kind of dumber. But so, yeah. And then three hour old, like we said, dies. And it's kind of weird. And then they see a Romulan ship come out, the singularity. And then we learn that Romulans power their warp cores. With a singularity? That's interesting. To me, science nerds. Yeah, yeah but here's the thing. Okay, but sure, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of not un- dissimilar to how the warp drives work on that. Well, it's antimatter, yeah, but th- like a singularity is like yeah, a... Yeah, it's, it's really... It's like a mini black hole or something. Yes, and they knew that beforehand. So it makes... When you think about it for a minute, like, I didn't know that. But I I, I mean, they, they knew that. They didn't, like, discover that in this episode. They were like, oh, yeah, they use singularities to power warbirds. And they have cloaking. Shouldn't there be a warbird? And that seems like maybe like I'm wondering if that was a precedent set up before this episode I th- in the fiction, or I don't just... know. But I'm I'm saying that they because like, it'd be interesting if it was in TNG. They were like, O'Brien oh, said, "Oh, and you know what? They power warbirds by singularity." Like he had already known that information. Like, well, uh, then why didn't you just figure that? out? <laughs> see, I, I wasn't sure if he knew that or just deduced it, but I don't know. I guess you're right. That's a, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, it just seemed like it. Yeah. And I do yeah. now. I'm wondering if it's been established in the fiction. If that's been established in the Star Trek fiction before this episode and like TNG or even that would be interesting. I think that would have gotten. Yeah, I don't Let know. Let me hold on. Me, uh, hey, nerds, give us a call and let us know if that's the case. Uh, 917-408-3898. It's a, but anyways. It's the only, it's the first time you see that Warbird on Deep Space Nine, but I think that you've seen it before on. Yeah, on TNG, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it's the big. Anyways, Miles dies. It's kind of crazy. And then he sends himself three and a half older himself him into the past, mm-hmm. which kind of was a, like a big deal to me watching. It's like, that's weird because I was of the opinions like wait a minute that's not the same miles and then you know julian reassures them later on but and an episode later it's forgotten yeah, could he have could he have raped himself that's what i, I always want to know <laughs> that's james's big question <laughs> could he have ra- could he have raped himself no um or is 
it just <laughs> masturbation? Uh, no, but seriously, like that that's a weird thing to me. And also, since he's already in the future, yeah, couldn't you have just tell him to go fuck off? Because, I mean, like, he obviously, whatever it was, it wasn't, like, are, I don't know, is he in a different dimension? Like, well, that's, yeah, that was a big question, because if he is the future him, well, he's not the future him, because old him died, and then it's like, oh, my God, it's mind, it's a mind fuck, you can't figure it out. Temporal mechanics, man, I hate him. Call back. <laughs> no, I, I think we are forever dealing with a different O'Brien. Yeah. No, we are, but I'm and just like, what, by what nature? Well, from here, here, from here but, on By out, what nature is it a different O'Brien? We're just, well, it's a different O'Brien, but it's just like a... Like like a sliver of time, but I'll always right. look at it as like my O'Brien's dead. The one I've been look watching for years. <laughs> well, my question is, or is everybody dead? And our old O'Brien jumped to a different dimension, dimension. where new O'Brien, new O'Brien never died, but old O'Brien did. And so did the station when he saw it. And maybe, I don't know. No, because then old O'Brien went back. No. To we're, the old we're, dimension. We're looking at new O'Brien. This is a new O'Brien. You're right. You're right. With I, the old man. crew. Yeah. What? I mean. it's. But then what happened to the universe there where things blew? Yeah, man. Well, but I'm saying that yeah. like he doesn't have like many a, worlds. But he theory. doesn't have like a wood. He doesn't have like a Woody Woodpecker tattoo, and the other one didn't. Like he didn't live a different life. Right. Well, it's, <laughs> he did. Yeah. For three, it's, he did because for three hours, this guy for three hours he played darts at Quirks and didn't talk about his own existence, and then he <laughs> and and then spook Quirk out. Like there's a slight difference. This guy's a little bit right. Well, plus. This guy got woke up in the middle of the night, saw a dying version of himself send him back in the past. That's got to fuck up with you a little bit, right? I'm not saying it's not fucked up, hey, but I if, think that if he went that, if that, he went 100 years in the past, he changed things even more and then you know you know what you have? You have <laughs> crossover <laughs> and you have <laughs> the other but, but here's what i'm saying like yes technically you're right Maybe. it's a different o'brien Maybe i don't even like star trek fuck i don't know <laughs> you said technically it's a different o'brien but from a practical standpoint there's no real other than like he knew someone was gonna go dabo or whatever there's no like distinct and he knew difference. julian was get 20 on the top the only Garth. difference yeah. is that this o'brien stays awake at night wondering what the difference is between him and the one that should have lived. <laughs> Did the other one have a better life than me? Things he never thought about that replicant. That's the the, the only difference is, is that this O'Brien stares at Keiko and there's a distance between them that he can't understand or comprehend anymore. <laughs> That's as if, so from here on out, O'Brien B is who we're dealing with and and uh, I'm here for I'm all of a sudden I'm on team O'Brien all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, you're using this as oh, a Oh, we did jump. You're retconning your dislike. <laughs> we really did jump universes tonight. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, I'm for this O'Brien. This one's this one will never be the same. All right. Well, well so this that's... is this is uh, separating Supergirl from Power Girl now. Right. You, you <laughs> they they have split the timeline. Well, and you are now... then I'm going to count uh, this episode right. a win if it changes his opinions on O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's a new day for you. Okay, so you asked me about the singularity, and I was looking at that real quick. No, the first time they announced that the singularity powered the Dongular class or whatever was in face of the enemy and that's a tng episode yeah and then they dealt again with they dealt with it again in the tng episode 10 man yeah and that also gave them the parameters and the understanding of how the singularity worked okay and then it just dealt with for a third time on visionary so uh, yeah so yeah so we've dealt with this ship a little so bit. they should have had a hunch when they had warm romulans on the that's station. what i was yeah. they should have had a hunch and also like it seems like especially since They know about how the cloak works officially now because of the Defiant. It seems like just there should be some protocols on, like, look around. Like, like when Romulans are around, maybe they've taken, like, you know, like, then maybe they brought warships to collapse the wormhole. All right. Oh yeah. Which, by the way, it was a Scooby Doo ending, wasn't it? <laughs> like it was. We know it was you the whole time. I liked it. And I'm a practical man, and I like the idea that there's four more seasons of this show. But in hindsight. Romulans should have collapsed that fucking wormhole. Well, they were. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> most yeah. definitely, hundred percent agree. Yeah. Well, you like, know, they were kicking their asses later on that they weren't successful on this mission, weren't yeah. they? Yes. Like Romulans got a point there. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta kill baby Hitler. 
And like, yep. And they didn't. Oh no, I was when they were like, "This Intel is weak." I was like, "Yeah, this is some weak Intel, Cisco." This is. <laughs> I was on their side, like like Wade said. I was on their side about yeah about this all the way. I was end. until they decided until we have to kill everybody. I was like, oh, sure, it's kind of a dick move, Romulans. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, all right, Mister. If you're weighing dead, if you're all right, all right, we don't have to bring the Viet Cong into this, okay? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just saying, but <laughs> they, wait they're a my friends, okay? I don't want Cisco to die. Here's, let me pose this question to you before we get to the next segment about you know the what IMDb thinks. Mm-hmm. Let me pose this question. Yeah. Why did the, the Romulans need to have the subterfuge of collecting intel if they wanted to collapse a wormhole? They have a cloaking device. Just go Could, fucking collapse. Couldn't they just go do it and then like and leave? Yes. Yes. That should have just done that. Well, once they they needed to blow up the station to do it because it, once they decloaked the fire on the wormhole, the station would would uh, see what they were doing and stop them. Right. Give a fuck because they, they would die too. Oh, I guess. All right. And also plot armor. Oh, so they had to buy. They, they had to, to br- blow up the they, ship separately to use their weapons. They have to decloak. Okay, that was that's yeah. this thing. Because yeah, in my mind, I'm a, thinking, yeah, they that's a just Roll up cloaked and blow it up. No. All right. Yeah, you have to decloak to fire. So, do you guys want to get into what you think the IMDb folks think of this episode? Seven point nine. I'm gonna undershoot. I'm gonna go seven point four. Uh, we've got 628 votes, and it's a 7.9. Wade gets closer this week. Wait, whoa, Okay, right on the well, nose. They, I'd say people like this episode way more than I do. Yeah, I think like the more y'all and and a shocking turn of events. Plankton rules hated it. No, Plankton rules hates this episode and gives it. Oh my god! Yes, it gets even better. Uh, Plankton rules our <laughs> ghost member of the rules of acquisition who is here only in spirit. <laughs> he doesn't even know it, right? Um, he or she doesn't even know it. But uh, no, Plankton rules gave this four out of ten stars. Low for him. And the title of their the title of this particular user review is "I hate time shifting episodes." <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one is just like four short paragraphs about how much he or she hates this episode. So if you're on IMDb, you should go check out Plankton Rules uh, (laughs) description of of this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm a little actually worried that we're getting so into the weeds that I don't want to kill y'all's love for Star Trek. Like what? Like like our love? Yeah. Hugh's having issues. Well, maybe I'm having... (laughs) like larger issues with science fiction as a, like I've been reading other <laughs> uh, stuff. Okay. I've been like, uh, this is a journey. Uh, I don't think Star Trek deep space nine is, is the, I'm, I'm reevaluating some should, stuff in my life. Should we do, <laughs> we, we, we should do a whole podcast just on couch work on you, your relationship with sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you laying down? If, if, uh, if the audience wants to hear that, they should give us a call or email and then we could see about putting that together. <laughs> but th- I think this right. is a good point to bring up to our audience while, while we're talking about it. If you have any other side issues or special episodes, you'd like for us to discuss things. I know we've done one episode on the lost and we've done uh, one on the OA. If you have anything else that you'd like to hear us chime in on, uh, give us a call. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That phone number Wade. Uh, yeah. Speaking, speaking of, I guess is nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Yeah. So I think it's about time to jump right into that. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, that's remarkable. It's also a little disturbing. I have this nagging feeling that I don't really belong here. This isn't really my life. Maybe this life belongs to that other Miles O'Brien. Oh, hey, guys. Welcome to our priority transmissions from Richard Picardo's tomb ghost. Uh, <laughs> Richard Ricardo's game. <laughs> I don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we can just jump into it. We've got some transmissions. For some reason, just saying transmissions feels like gross to me. Like nocturnal, like nocturnal emissions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when these guys sent this stuff. Uh, anyways, yeah. yeah, we'll just start off with an email real quick from nocturnal transmissions. That's what we're gonna call <laughs> nocturnal it. transmissions. Uh, First off, we got an. I mean, if there's any order you want to go into, but you don't know, do you? So, all right. Uh, okay. And then here we have we have a 
voicemail from a regular caller here. We have Eric from Pennsylvania again. Hey, gentlemen. It's uh, Eric in Pennsylvania uh, calling about the most recent episode, uh, Destiny. Uh, two things I'll try to keep as quick as possible. Uh, first, I'll agree with you that the episode is a little murky in what exactly Cisco was struggling with when he was making all those sad, constipated faces. Uh, Eric, man. <laughs> Eric cannot keep a call to go through. Eric has at cut yeah, off at night. I, I like it. He got he got his point out though. Yeah, is this is this like a thing? Is he doing it as like a thing? I don't think it's a thing he means to do, but all his calls get it cut off. That lasted 19 seconds. I'm sorry, Eric. Yep, we like those short calls right. though, huh? No, I, yeah. It was it was definitely constipated faces. Oh, destiny. Which one was that? Oh yeah. Oh, the Nostradamus one. The Nostradamus. Yeah, it was a little weird, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Eric, we don't have much to work with. You you, you cut out on us. <laughs> yeah. What, what, I like to think that we, we can talk up most most calls. <laughs> Congratulations, Eric. That's the first time that's ever happened where we didn't have much to say after a call, but I guess 19 seconds isn't. Anyway, Eric, we enjoy your calls. Please, please try again. <laughs> you made me laugh, yeah. All right. And now and we have a couple of recordings here from Stefan, who sent us an email first, a non-U.S. listener. We said you could send us an audio file if calling's too expensive. And here he has some thoughts about Destiny. Y'all ready for this? Mm-hmm. Hello, guys. This is Stefan from the Netherlands dropping in with some comments about Destiny. I agree with you guys that it's... Uh, quite a low-key episode it, it's fine I, i've always liked it but what i appreciate about it more is is uh, what it does in terms of world building especially when it comes to finally getting into uh, cisco as the emissary which they hadn't done at all up until that point um i think one of you commented that uh, nothing in what happened in, in this episode actually uh, depends on cisco becoming emissary and i don't think that's the point i think here it's just about cisco kind of accepting that well there may be something in these uh prophecies and accepting that he he does have a role to play as an emissary without actually fully embracing it and you guys mentioned that um there sh- the, the should be a starfleet guy who's a bitly opposed to it and that that's the kind of thing i they kind of get into later when cisco does i don't want to give spoilers but when cisco does um start to accept that role more but so i appreciate for that and things like the first time we see the Kardashian Bajoran Peace Treaty. Um, so fairly, it's a, it's a good standard DS9 episode of that time. So I've always liked that. And enjoying the banter. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> I want to address a couple things about his comments about Cisco and his emissary, his emissary uh, okay. his overall story arc. All right, well, basically, I, I kind of see, I've come around to what he's saying a little bit because I do remember where they go with it. And that he can't all of a sudden go from not being wanting the responsibility to be the emissary to all of a sudden being embracing it. So there has to yeah. be some sort of like middle middle to that overall story. I think maybe I just feel like mm-hmm. it should should be like the central push and pull of the show rather than visited once a season. That's my beef. With yeah, it. yeah. I'm gonna admit to remember. I mean, I know what the deal is right like in future episodes with the emissary i remember all of that stuff and all of the stuff that's unpacked in season six i don't remember like specifics of importance but it 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 does seem like that the i I think you're right is that they overbit on a concept early and now they don't want to have to be responsible to stay with that the only thing that redeems it is that they do go back to it and do it a lot of service yeah. in the end. Yeah, yeah, right. To some people's chagrin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do. They do a lot of emissary service later, mm-hmm. and so that work is paid off. But it is we're in the doldrums of that, and it does seem like it's cheap to just kind of like. It seems like that it would be more important to the interpersonal relationship like his work life with Kira or just in, in all of the relationships to Bajor 
it seems like being the emissary would be either a massive fucking hassle or a massive responsibility. Right, for and both. that kind of goes with what I uh, what I was saying is that there sh- it should be vi- it should be like the central push pull of the, yeah, of the show, yeah, yeah, not yeah. something that's just visited every once yeah. in a while. Right, this is just like oh well, we, we have to bridge yeah. his relationship with being the emissary and so okay we'll throw these episodes in to do it yeah. but that's not what the show is like you said it could be the whole theme of the show is dealing with that but it's really not it's not what they want it to be which yeah. honestly in this show this show would have not made the ratings it did if the show was just about yeah. Cisco's it's, ascension you to, wouldn't have yeah. the mirror universe it, so if you uh, want to deal with hippy dippy religious shit go watch Battlestar Galactica's <laughs> last season oh <laughs> sorry no it's great I love Battlestar yeah but that was a good that thank you for the I think that's pretty crafty sending in a file yeah uh, instead yes. of calling the number and I think people should feel free to do that if they're more comfortable well he, he's in the netherlands right so he's he, he's in the yeah may, but maybe maybe what's his name from philadelphia oh, maybe, yeah maybe, 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 eric. maybe eric if eric wants to send an M, you know an mp4 <laughs> or whatever file that's cool too yeah yeah and, and i think kate is her, uh who has who, kate done that great, yeah right hers get cut off because she's going over long i'd still say try to keep it under three minutes but kate's emails have been great that if you call back we'll play the rest of them but but yeah, yeah. But again, as we get more, it's going to be easier. It'd be nice to hear from Kate again. Oh, yeah. Oh, I I don't want to. Sorry. I don't want to dissuade anybody. And Mm -hmm. Kate's emails have been fantastic. Her voicemails. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, is that it for this week? What else you got? (laughs) Oh, I got. So. All right. And then we have an email here I can read from Franklin in Jacksonville. Franklin from Jax. And it's just titled, Hey, ASRM Cucks! Exclamation oh. point. Yeah. Which is funny because it's ASMR, right? I, I, don't, I don't actually know. Is it, it is. It's a something radiomedial response or something is the name. But, okay. A, AM. But I mean, it's hey. ASMR, AMS. ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. How much I don't know. Median response. Okay. But you know what? It wouldn't be the rules of acquisition if we didn't if get we the name get something of something wrong. wrong. Especially something that we're super all not into. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey. Just goes to show we don't, but no, we should keep saying, "Hey, yes, ASMR people, call in, and and we will, we will see what we can do." <laughs> don't don't whisper into the phone. No, I can't. I can't do that. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think Hugh just. I think Hugh just hung up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so this Franklin says, "Hey, I like hearing different perspectives." Even wrong ones, like James of me being wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Avery Brooks's teaching has been brought up before as proof of his acting chops. Here's more perspective. Know who's not off teaching acting? Denzel. He's too fucking busy winning awards for his realistic (laughs) acting. (laughs) Seriously, though, that's just trolling. I don't want people calling into Carney communique about my Avery Brooks hatred. I like him just as much as the next DS9 fan. My point was, if weirdness, intensity, and charisma is the Star Trek end all, then Samuel L. Jackson would make an incredible Cisco. Actually, I think green screening Samuel in the past tense would be awesome. Someone needs to kick. Someone needs to kickstart that. And you know what? We might think you were wrong before, Franklin, but you ain't wrong with that. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean. Jackson's great. I ain't shitting on Samuel Jackson. Now, uh, I will say that if you go and watch the captain's interview, William Shatner's interview with Avery Brooks, that was probably from like 2012 or something. If not before, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, relatively recently. You'll see that Avery Brooks is a... I don't know. He's just not standing up for Shatner's weird shit. He's no, like, oh, I'll give little, you weird no, shit right back. He's, he, he's, he's high. He's, he's, he's stoned, maybe. He maybe. seems like I a man wanna... who's very content with his station in life currently. Right. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't think he's relegated to any position. I think that he, you know, I think he's he's enjoying his golden years. I also think Avery Brooks is probably much older than we think he is. Even, like. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I made the point I should at least know what the fuck I'm talking about. Hey, I want to hear from more people that hate Avery Brooks. You do. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate the man. I don't know. He was born in 48, so that makes him... Makes him younger than my dad. Uh, yeah. So he's a mean age for uh, Fox yeah. News yeah, viewers, right. basically. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a, I mean, he's an early boomer. So, I mean, he's... 
don't, I, I don't know. You know, he's 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 living the life he wants to. He seems like he's he's not up for, you know, he doesn't have the, the sprite nature to be an actor right now in movies. But I don't know. And he hasn't been in anything since. Who knows, man? That I don't I don't think that's He's been, hasn't been think... anything since 2001 and I think that's cuz he doesn't want to act. Well, so. who can say? I any any actor that's been in any Hollywood or anybody that's been through the system, it's all just because they're not acting doesn't mean they don't want to be. It's a hard game, and like I don't know, Avery Brooks, especially for Star Trek actors, there's not like Hollywood's not jumping out to grab the dick of every actor that would, no. unless you're Patrick Stewart. But no, but I'm saying like the last movie, if he you've was... had a career on a TV show, you can just you don't have to be doing every, you don't have to be on a public yeah. guy all the time. The last movie he, he did, he was fourth billing under Robert De Niro, Edward Burns, and Kelsey Grammer. It's not like his career. It's not like he was doing Leprechaun Ten and then just decided to no, fucking call it a day. But but to say it's because he wants to or doesn't, it's like it's you can't. It's like it's a weird game. The business is crazy. Sometimes people and and you know what you do enough like he's doing fine. Yeah, no, I think I think that's you what I'm saying. You can't I think blame that, a man for wanting to just uh, continue as fourth building under tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Yeah, <laughs> what else <laughs> you got on the on the on the voicemails and emails? Let's, oh, that's it. Right. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Well, hold on, but but my my point is is that I think he quit. Not because he was frustrated, but because he made he made his amount of money to go and live his dream life, of, or just of, being uh, being, or a lot of people just like, hey, I'm just going to teach somewhere, and it's a good it's a good life. Yeah, you don't have to go to L.A. or mm-hmm. you can live where you want to if you're teaching where you want, and you can just you don't have to sweat it. You you've got you're it's comfortable. You know, it's fine. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know what the fuck Avery Brooks thinks. He's a weird dude. <laughs> like, He's a big, very weird guy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. That's my whole point. Is that he's a weirdo. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He seems like a guy who's doing exactly what he wants to be doing. I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And that he's there by choice. Yeah. Whether or not it's because of his realistic acting, I, I don't think that's the point. But <laughs> whatever, Franklin, we're fine. Hmm. <laughs> we cool. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't have anything else. Is that the last voicemail? I think we talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Well, do you want to give out the phone number and email for next time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, everybody, come at us. We want to hear from you. Give us a call. Uh, leave a voicemail at 917-408-3898. Uh, send us an email. Though I mean, We'd love to hear your voice uh, at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. You know, if you're international, send us a sh- Try to keep it under three minutes. If, if you can't get a call through without it cutting off, I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, you know, do what you want. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If we haven't heard from you at all, please call in. We want to hear as many uh, voices, a diversity of opinions from Southern people, Yankees, uh, foreigners. Fern, 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 not non-Americans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all types and, you know. Mm-hmm. We're looking for idic, infinite diversity and infinite combination. We want to hear from you all. Give us a call, 917-408-3898. You know the drill. And do all the other stuff. All right. Well, for all of us here at the Rules of Acquisition, we'll see you next week. Three to beam out. Boop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.